us have a great 2019. I don't want anybody to make the mistake now of looking at 2020 by writing uh, 20, because that could be sadly mistaken. You better make sure we got four digits in there, 2020. And no, that doesn't mean you have perfect vision. We're going to share that with you here in just a few moments. As you are standing to glean with us this morning from the Word of God, one verse of Scripture I want to share in your hearing. It's penned in Isaiah chapter number 55 and verse number 10. Isaiah 55 and 10 in the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Love to hear pages turning and give you a chance to get there. Nothing like the email pastor's heart, nothing like a tangible copy of the Lord's Word. It's wonderful that we have all these modern amenities and electronic devices, projection screens, and smartphones, and iPads, and all. it's wonderful, wonderful. But nothing like a tangible copy of the Word. Brother Sean said last week of the living God. How many know Jesus is alive? Y'all didn't say that with a whole lot of conviction. Now I want to start the year off right. How many know, not believe, how many know Jesus is alive? Amen. Isaiah 55, 10, are you there? The word of the Lord reads in our presence, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. How many ready for the rain? Some of y'all think in in terms of the physical rain. No, I'm talking about the spiritual rain. Many folk assembled this room today would say, Pastor, hadn't we had enough rain? As a matter of fact, many of you would say the water table's quite high right now. Weather alerts we receive every morning says that we're in a, in a flood state. But how many know we need the rain of God, the spiritual rain, to fall on our hearts, to fall on our homes, to fall on our churches? pray God of heaven Lord we want to pause for just a moment to reflect upon your loving kindness and your extended mercy toward us your children thank you Father God that through every peril through every test through every trial through every tribulation that you have led us today to this place for that we give you glory Now, Father, it's my prayer that you would embed the word that we have just read into the hearts of your people, that in the times that are yet to come, when we are facing difficulties and hardships and calamities from all angles, that we would even understand you have a purpose for the rain. us to know, Lord, the sun's going to shine again. Somebody here today needs faith to believe that though 
just a cloudy, dark day in their life. They need to know the sun is going to shine again. In your son Jesus' name, we pray and ask these things. God's church said amen. I know some of you are going to say, I've heard that somewhere before, but let, let me tell you how challenging it is to title a sermon especially when God has laid something directly on your heart. You do know the wise man Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. Hello? Chances are if it's been used before, it'll be used again. So I, I, I couldn't come up with anything better than this, Brother Jesse, so pardon me if I use this. But I know everybody that's over the age of 40 in this room is going to hit you like a ton of bricks. I want to use a thought I can see clearly now. I can see clearly now. I can look at your faces and tell that it's rolling across your thought process. Haven't I heard that somewhere before? Well, if you can recall 1972, right here in the great United States of America, you're going to remember the words of I can see clearly now. Uh-oh, somebody. Uh-oh. I, 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 I heard somebody say, the rain is gone. Yeah, well, that's because it was a song written by Johnny Nash during a very turbulent time in the history of this country. He's a Houston, Texas native, and aside from Beyonce's recent claim to fame, he was probably one of their uh, more well-known sons. But for about the last 20 years, Beyonce's had a lock on that. So Johnny's song became a salve, so to speak. It became a medicine, Sister Mary, in some of the harsh times of the 1970s here in America. I, I don't want to dwell on it because some of us are thankful that God brought us through that. But how many can remember uh, what the state of the economy was in the 70s? How many can remember standing in line as they rationed out gasoline in the 1970s? Some of you weren't even born, and some of you still too young to remember. But I can remember where the kangaroo is in Fairmont right now was the Etna. And I remember cars lying in the street waiting to get a ration of gasoline. And the economy, Brother Manny, was a, a, in a tough state. Factories were closing. People were losing jobs. Interest rates were trying to balance this act, Brother Jerry. But it was a dark time in America. So Johnny Nash wrote a song I can see clearly now. You say, Pastor, what, what does that have to do with this? Everything in the world. Because I believe Johnny's intent was to help his audience see past the rain. When I was a little boy, I hated rain. Anybody else hate rain when you were little? You know why I hated rain when I was little? Because I couldn't go outside to play. Am I the lonely one? Brother Ted, baseball was a passion of mine, and man, we were just set at the Civitan, put down there in Fairmont to do battle, and if it rained, I know the game was off. And that was upsetting to me. I couldn't understand the great significance of rain in that time because I was so focused on what I wanted to enjoy, the things I wanted to participate in. But Johnny uses 
Rain is a metaphor. It's a symbolic representation of something else. And he uses it to symbolize trying days or difficult times. Anybody face any difficult times here at Harvest Church? Well, the truth of the matter is it's clouded up and rained on a bunch of us in here. And you missed a good chance to say amen. We've all faced our own share of rainy days. But I declare the sun's going to shine again. Can I get an amen, somebody? The sun is indeed going to shine again. Throughout the history of this great country, we've discovered that things like singing and dancing in the rain They've always been used to encourage us not to wait for trials to be over, but to embrace trials and to push our way through trials. Hallelujah. In the Old Testament original Hebrew language, two words were used for rain. Matar, M-A-T-A-R and Geshem, G-E-S-H-E-M. Those were Old Testament Hebrew words for rain. But how many of you know that in the land of Palestine, there were two seasons of rain? And they also had words used for them. Vore, V-O-R-E-H, represented the early or the autumn rains. And Malagosh, M-A-L-G-O-S-H, Malagosh, represented the late or the spring rains. And most references were agriculturally related. But I want to bless us today and I know that spiritually rain is referenced as a blessing from the Lord. So as much as we saw the negative side of that, we didn't really understand the spiritual overtones of the significance of rain. I guarantee you that in Australia right now, there's rejoicing over some showers that have gathered up over that place. Because thousands of acres of terrain has been destroyed by drought and wildfires. So the sight of rain is welcomed by the firefighters who have exhausted themselves in recent weeks trying to extinguish those fires. I just want to give us a few references of, 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 of rain in the scripture. Let's look at Exodus 16.4. Exodus 16 and 4, I can see clearly now. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. The people go out and gather a certain quota every day. I will test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Amen? Rain, a, a spiritual blessing from God. This happened five days a week. Five days a week, God rained down manna on the camp of the Israelites. You say, Pastor, there's seven days in a week. I know, but on the sixth day, they got a double portion. Help me now. That's because on the seventh day, God didn't rain down any bread from heaven. Praise the Lord. And God gave them instructions saying, gather only what you need. Because if you gather more than you need, it's going to deteriorate. It'll get infested with insects and will be no good to you. How many know that obedience is the key to receiving God's blessings? 
Obedience is the key. Got to move on. Leviticus 26 and 4. Leviticus 26 and 4. Then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce. The trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Isn't that, isn't that a blessing to know that this is a promise of God if we do what? If we walk in obedience. If we walk in obedience. Let's look at Deuteronomy 32 and 2. Let my teaching drop as rain, my speech distill as dew. As raindrops on the tender herb and as showers on the grass. This is Moses who is comparing his teaching to rain. And what's Moses saying? Let it be life-giving, Brother Khan. Let it be invigorating to you as believers. Man, isn't that a blessing that the word of God is life-giving? That it rejuvenates and revives us, Brother Charlie? Isn't that a blessing? That God can reference his word as rain. Hallelujah. But it can also be referenced negatively in the scripture. So preacher, I don't understand that, but how many remember the story of Noah? Anybody remember the story of Noah? Let's look at Genesis chapter 7, verse number 4. After seven more days, I'll cause it to rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. Who said that? God said that. Why did God say that? Brother Khan said sin, corruption, rebellion, disobedience. And the list could grow on and on and on. But God saw that the unrighteousness of man grew exceedingly wicked in his sight. And then God realized that something had to be done about it to correct it. Help me, somebody. The universal flood of Noah's day was a spiritual symbolic representation of judgment. That's right. So rain can be good and rain can be bad. Help me, somebody. What I'm trying to get us to see is that in all things, God's ultimate purpose is for us to grow more and more into the image of his son. Now, thank God, Brother Derek did a great job of ministry last week in our presence. And if you would take a peek at Facebook, what you would discover in the last 24 hours, in the last seven days, in the last four weeks, is that there are a lot of... There's a lot of chatter referencing brokenness. It's a lot. And it will almost get you discouraged if you are absorbed by it. I believe there's beauty in brokenness. But what I would love to do today is to help us see beyond the brokenness. I want to help us see through the rain. Amen. I was in a place of business recently, and it, and, and it started raining, Brother Connor, and the first thing I said was, there's no way that's rain. Evidently, that's something in, in, the, in the heating and air system because it was so loud. I, I, I said, what in the world is that? And then the doors of that place opened up, and Brother Demery, you couldn't have seen from here to the highway. 
That's how hard that the rain was coming down. Those saints used to say, it's raining cats and dogs, like somebody's dumping five-gallon buckets on us. Has anybody ever felt, felt like that spiritually in your life? Anybody ever felt like that hell has just unleashed its fury and unloaded on you? You ought to raise your hand to the glory of God. Well, I just dropped by to tell you, amen, God is going to let you see clearer now. God's going to let you see clearer, hallelujah, because we need to understand that trials develop character. Somebody say praise the Lord. Trials develop character. And God, praise the Lord, would never allow the enemy to tempt us in the manners in which we are if God didn't know that he could deliver us through it. Oh, that's good preaching, hallelujah. Trials come with purpose. Trials come with reward. Didn't Peter say, count it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you're not the only one. Come on, somebody. You know when we're going through a difficult thing in life, when we're going through, amen, a heated trial, we think that we're the only one on the face of the earth, sister B, that's going through what we're going through. But the truth of the matter is, amen, we're just one of many. One of many going through what we're going through. But Oh, my God, what's the famous question we love to ask? And Sister Tammy Watson asked it last Sunday morning. It bears repeating. Do I need to shout it in your presence or can you remember it? Why me? Why me, God? Why me? Have we ever flipped that and said, God, why not me? If you looked all over creation, Father, and you uh, have designed, Lord, this thing for my life, I should glory in it. Does not the Bible say, Sister Merck, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations? That's the word of God. Why me? For what cause, for what reason or purpose am I going through what I'm going through? Our world is filled with pain. Our world is filled with suffering. Both of which are harsh realities in this life. If somebody were to ask me what's one of the toughest theological questions there is, you know what I would say? One of the toughest theological questions there is, is why do bad things happen to good people? Don't look at me like that. I guarantee you've asked that question. I guarantee, like Sister Tammy Watson, you have said, why me? If you haven't said it out loud, you've at least thought it in your heart. God, why me? Why do bad things happen to God? I know where you're at. You're saying, Pastor, the Bible said there's no, not one good. Jesus said, there, don't call me good. There is none good save the Father. But I also understand the context of that word good. It means you're not bad. Y'all listening? So we connect with that in today's society, don't we? 
If somebody introduced Brother Homer and they say, Brother Homer's a good man, I wouldn't say, wait, 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 wait. Wait, now he ain't good. He might be okay. He might be a fine. You know what some people will say instead of saying he's good, they'll say he's a fine fella. But I understand the nature of that in conversation when people say he's a good man. Have you ever heard that said about anybody? So don't take it out of context. We understand the depth of it and what it means. But we're human beings, all of us in this room. And guess what? We are not at all eternal. None of us are infinite. None of us are omniscient. And we cannot expect to understand the fullness of God's ways and his purposes. Somebody say, I beg to differ. Well, you show me in the Bible and we'll have a conversation. But the word of God has already emphatically stated, my ways are not your ways. Your thoughts, not my thoughts, says the Lord. He's so much more advanced than we are. So the next time we ask ourselves, why me? Just understand that we're not eternal, we're not infinite, we're not omniscient, and we cannot fully understand God's ways or purposes. You know, they cannot define God, so they simply try to describe God. Oh my, that'll preach right there, amen? That will preach right there. But who immediately comes to mind when we think of good people who suffered bad things? Job. Job immediately comes to mind. Why? Because the scriptures record that Job lost his material possession. You know what I discovered? That we are so consumed by all that Job lost, we forgot what he kept. Do I need to rewind that? We're so focused on what he lost that we forget what he kept. Number one, he maintained his integrity in the Lord. But I got some other nuggets to let you know Job kept. He kept his servants and his wife. Somebody said, his wife? Ain't she the crazy one that wanted? Yeah, that's where you, that's why you stay in the ditch. Because you're always thinking about the negative. Robert too said, don't let negativity and toxic people take up space in your life. Charge them rent and kick them out. How about that? For those of you who don't know Robert too, he's an American author. Great, a, a great saying. And the truth of the matter is, Job suffered in ways that are almost beyond, Brother Anthony, our belief. They're almost beyond I believe. But how many of us dial in on Job's reaction to all his loss? How many dial in on every time the servant walked in and said, Hey, your kids was down there having a party, and the roof fell in, and they're all alone. How many of us chime in on the reality that a servant comes in and says, Your cattle was grazing? They're all gone. How many of us even tune into the reality that Job says in Job 1.21, Naked I came into this world, 
and I'm going to be naked when I leave. It is the Lord who gives and the Lord who takes away. It's Job then who says, blessed be the name of the Lord. How about Job's reaction? Look at Job 13, 15. You want to know what Job's reaction to all this calamity was? You see, right now we're so focused on our brokenness. We're so focused on uh, the dark times, the rainy days, amen, that have crowded our lives that we can't see past the rain. We can't see the blessing that the sun, the S-O-N, is going to bring if we're a servant and belong to. I'm not talking about this great, big, massive uh, uh, fear of spear up there in the sky I'm talking about God's son Jesus Christ who is going to outshine the rain what was Job's reaction Job 13 15 though he slay me yet will I trust in him God Almighty, somebody. Job didn't even understand why God had allowed the thing that he did in his life. But there's something in this verse. There's something within uh, the confines of Job's reaction, Brother Jesse, that leads me to believe that in spite of everything he lost, in spite of the pain, in spite of the suffering, in spite of the hardship, that Job had this presence of mind. God is still good. God is still good. And I declare before my friends and the host of heaven, I will trust him. I'll trust him. You tell me how a young pastor responds to a car accident that takes out almost the whole family. Hadn't been here hardly a few months. Some of you say, we don't want to hear this story. Well, close your ears. Somebody here needs to hear it. Number one, number one because uh, uh, the mother of two of those little girls is still here with a sound mind. Sane. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Why me? Why me? Huh? The Bible said that day the sons of God came to present themselves to the Lord and the devil came with them. And God said, where you been? Well, I've been, I've been out there roaming here and there. Do I need to help you understand it was God who said, have you considered my servant Job? The Bible said it was a perfect man. One who feared God and eschewed evil. He was a reputable man. He had a good name in the community. Y'all ain't hearing me. Had a good name in the community. He was a wise man. He was charitable. God have mercy. Help me somebody. He gave to the necessity and the needs of others. He was a well-loved man. Am I preaching this to anybody? And what happened? What he loved was taken from him, Sister Leslie. You hear what I'm saying? That would have drove the average person to insanity or to the point of committing suicide. But let me tell you how many professional counseling sessions this sister here ever had. She ain't ever had none, to my knowledge.
And as a young pastor, I said, I don't know. I don't know what we can do. But if you need any help, amen, we just need uh, to make ourselves available. I don't know what kind of counseling that you might need. I don't know what kind of professional help that you may require. When it's with tear-filled eyes, she looked up at me and said, as long as you're praying for me, I know everything's going to be all right. You might say, why me? Why me? Listen, I'm going to get to this point a little later in the service, but you need to ask yourself today, why not me? You're not the only one that has ever encountered a hardship, a difficulty, or a calamity in life. Other people are facing those sad days as well. But I promise you the sun's going to shine again. Because Psalm 18 and 30 tells me this. As for God. His way is perfect. Some of you scared to death to say thank you, Lord. Some of you terrified to say praise the name of Jesus. But here's the truth of the matter. Job and others knew, even in the time of crisis, when bad things would happen uh, to good people, that God would deliver them. Amen. I want to tell you, those brothers, they knew that this world is not the end. You ought to shout glory to God and bless his name. What we see is not the end. God's got something better reserved for us. He's got a reward that we can't even process amen the writer of the New Testament said amen the New Testament said for I reckon or that means I have pondered over this thing and here is the conclusion that I've reached what is it brother Joey that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us When I see Jesus, all of this will pass away. I need to pause right there about 30 seconds. Huh? For us to just get a glimpse of Jesus. You say, preacher, this world is not the end. No. No, this world is not the end. What about 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18? 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, he's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the saints, the blood-bought, the redeemed. Paul, in his letter to the church at Corinth. Are you listening, saints of God? Anybody at Harvest listening today? Therefore, do not lose heart. For even though your outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed. Day by Oh, y'all won't help me preach now. Y'all, you begin to feel that you want to help me preach a little bit now. What about verse 17? For our light affliction. Uh, our light affliction which is but for a moment, is doing what? When you get it, it'll bless you. I said, when you get it, it'll bless I can't see it's raining so hard. This light affliction, which is just for a minute, it's temporary. 
Somebody said, I like to use this prayer. It's not in the Bible, so don't go tell nobody it is. This too shall pass. It's not in the Bible. It's not written like that. It hints at the idea. But don't go tell nobody, what's that in the Bible said? This too shall pass. No, doesn't say that. Doesn't say that. But I believe by the grace and mercy of God, that this little thing you're going through right now is just for a moment. And it's going to pass. And guess what else it's doing? It's working forward. You get it in a minute. It's working for me. I can't see it. I can't see it to save my life. It's so cloudy. It's raining so hard. My vision's impaired. I can't see it. God said it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. For while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen why the devil fighting you so hard he don't want you to see it that's why he wants you to give up that's why the enemy wants you to throw in the towel but I want to tell you we're going to be rewarded someday hmm? we're going to be rewarded someday and guess what brother Manny when we are rewarded it will be a glorious day it'll be a glorious day let me tell you something about earthly suffering Earthly suffering escalates inward growth. You get that? Earthly suffering escalates. It increases. It intensifies. It volumizes. It adds more to the amount of our inward growth. Yeah. Because temporary things help us appreciate eternal things. Let me tell you what happens when you're in pain. You're giving birth to a child. You're like, wait, wait, wait now, Pastor. You ain't, you ain't never gave birth to no young one. No, but I've seen it. I witnessed it with my two eyes at least twice. And let me tell you what pain does. It, it gives way to glory. As soon as that little infant's born, Con walked in this morning. I said, Papa Con. He said, boy, I'm too old. It'll be getting some too old. It'll be handling children. <laughs> but let me tell you, that pain in, in, in childbearing, what pain does is it gives way to glory. The Bible tells us when a woman's in travail, amen, when she's, when she's in pain, all she can focus on is the intensity of that moment. Brother Manny, when we're in a trial, all that we can tend to do is focus on the heat or intensity of the trial. That's what the enemy wants us to do, Brother Jesse. He wants us to focus on what we're lacking, what we're missing, what we're giving up, what we're sold ourselves short of. He wants us to do that so we can't see the reward and what God has reserved for us just after a while. Hallelujah to his name. You see, God uses bad things ultimately for our lasting good. 
Help me, Lord Jesus. Can I get one witness in here today? Look at Romans 8, 28. Who can quote it without looking at your Bible? And we know who is we. Maybe I should say that again. Who are we? We know. That all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. You notice that don't apply to everybody. Did y'all grasp that? Did you grasp that, Harvester? Did you know that it doesn't apply to everybody? I got some more good news for you. It does not just apply to isolated incidents. What does that mean? It means it, if it happened to somebody else, bless God, it can happen to you. If God brought them out of a trial, if God brought them out of a hardship, he can bring you out. It's not, it's not isolated incident referenced, is it, Sister Jerry? It means if God delivers somebody else's child, he can deliver yours. If he saves somebody else's husband, he can save yours. Come on, saints of God. If he healed somebody else's wife, he can heal yours. It's not an isolated incident. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Oh, my God, somebody. Did you see anywhere in there that God was working to make you happy? Did anybody see in there where that was God's objective? Where that was his goal, aim, or motive? Anybody see that? But it is specific, isn't it? Isn't it specific? Of course it is. It's specific to those who love God. Those who are called according to his purpose. God is not working to make us happy. God is working to fulfill his purpose in us. Brother Marty, bad things happen to what we call good people. Sometimes to equip us for deeper ministry. You grasp that? Can anybody grasp that? Bad things happen to good people to equip us for deeper ministry. 2 Corinthians 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's look at verses 3 through 5. Anybody remember Brother Harold Harris? Anybody remember Brother Harold? Where do you remember Brother Harold from? You remember his testimony. Anybody remember that they put this guy in the hospice house in Lumberton? And Duke said... We've done all we can. He, he, you know, you want to talk to him, you want us. And Harold said, no, I'm, I'm talking to you. Right? He was in the hospice house the same time Sister Ilya Chavis Lindsay was in the hospice house. And when I would visit one, I'd visit the other. And I prayed with them. It ain't nothing about who I am, just about who God is. 
And one night the Holy Ghost prompted me to go into the cabinet and to open that great big Bible that's laying on the table. And I grabbed his wife by the arm and I said, Sister Phoebe, can you come with me? She came with me into the cabinet and I opened that Bible to 1 Corinthians 1 and to Ephesians 5. And just trying to offer her some kind of comfort, Brother Benny. I didn't know what in the God's world else to do. What do you do when somebody says your loved ones, it's just a matter of time. It's over. The man's heart is no good. He's going to die. What do you do, Carl? You hold out hope. And that hope's based on the confident expectation that God's still God. And he'll still do what his word says he'll do. Brother Jason, I put my arm around a litter in that chapel. And we opened that big Bible together and I said, Sister, she said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. I said, Sister Harris, I don't know why God has chosen you, but this is going to help somebody. Sister Merritt, I don't know why God chose you, but through time, it's helped somebody. How about it in this room today? Hmm? How about it in this room? How, how, how many of us know beyond a doubt that God chose you and your situation to help somebody else? Come on, Amen. That's how I know that bad things can happen to good people to equip us for ministry. Did you hear the brother last week when he said, how can I tell anybody how to be delivered if I hadn't been delivered? Did you hear the brother say, how can I tell anybody God will bring you out of poverty if I hadn't been brought out of poverty? You know what I got good news for you this morning? I can't lead nobody to Jesus if I don't know him myself. And the reason that witnessing to somebody about the goodness of God comes so easy is because I am a recipient thereof. And the reason it becomes so easy to lead people into a lasting relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is because I've had my own personal encounter with God. The musicians are coming. That's right. You see, those are battle scars. And what do those battle scars do? They help others relate who are in trouble. They help others relate who are in trouble. Didn't we hear Sister Tammy say that last week? God, why me? Anybody remember what her mama said? Mama said, baby, God gave you them babies because nobody would love them like you. Isn't that right? Amen. But here's what I want to help Harvest Church with today. 
here's where I want to help home. I want you to start focusing less on the idea than the struggle that you're going through. Stop, stop focusing less on the idea the struggle is real. Remember the guy I told you about earlier who said don't let negativity and toxic people take up space in your mind and life? Charge them rent and kick them out. Robert Keyes, T-E-W, Robert Keyes. Here's what he said. The struggle you're in today is developing the strength you need for tomorrow. You say, is the man saved? I don't know, but he's wise. <laughs> is he a Christian? God, no, got no idea. Don't know. But he's wise. Is there any proof of that statement? The struggle you're in today is developing the strength you need for tomorrow. Huh? That shows me that wisdom's being applied. You believe that? I believe that. I believe that with everything I am. So what am I trying to get us to do today as, as, as the members of Harvest Church? Stop dwelling on uh, the struggle is real. You see, the issue here is not whether or not we should question God. Growing up, them old saints say, hey, boy, you ain't supposed to question God. They couldn't, even, they couldn't even give you a reason why. They just said don't question God. Now, how many know that others have questioned God? So let me ask you a question. Is it wrong to question God? No. It's not wrong to question God. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? How are you so assured of it? Because Habakkuk the prophet questioned God. And Habakkuk the prophet in his line of questioning, he questions God's timing and the agency of God's plan. You follow me? Well, did God answer him? Yes. God was patient with Habakkuk, and he answered him. You know how the book of Habakkuk ends? In a song of praise. A song of praise. So let me assure you that it's not wrong to question God, but it's the manner and the reasoning behind our questions. That's what we need to focus on. God didn't rebuke the prophet. He was patient with him, and he answered him. What we've got to learn is that God is in the sovereign control of all of life's circumstances. Somebody say, yes, he I said, he is in the sovereign control of all of life's circumstances. For preachers to understand that, the first thing I need to do is understand sovereignty. Sovereignty means he's the only one of his kind. God, no. Woo! Glory to God, there ain't another like him. He ain't got no equal. He don't have no rivals. But Brandon, New England Patriots can't do nothing with God. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that to go out like that. See, I got nothing but bad love for the Chiefs. He has no rivals. He has no equal. No king or kingdom can rival God. He's in the sovereign control of all of life's circumstances. 
What does sovereign mean? Supreme. He is the supreme power and authority of the universe. Ain't that right? Nobody but God. Nobody but God. Now listen, I'm not telling you to wrap your mind around this. This is something I believe. I, listen, if you want to believe it, that's fine. I mean, but this is just something I believe. I believe that nothing in life is random. I, I, I don't believe things just come into your life by chance, especially if you belong to God. You hear me? Random. What does that mean? It means it lacks purpose. Nothing without purpose just waltzes into your life if you're a believer. I don't believe that. Because I believe God has purposes for those things that come into your life. You say, preach even the bad things? Yes. Even the bad things. Yes. The Lord God is totally sovereign over all creation. Listen, some people have warped mentality and they think that Satan is in control of a certain amount of your life and that God is just sitting back and when Satan makes a move, God counters that move and he revises his plan so to accommodate Satan's tricks. I got news for you. God is not a responder. God is a planner. And how many know that he, amen, drew up the plan from the dawn of time, looking through the wickedness of man to send his only begotten son to die for the sins of the world so that we could be restored in relationship with him. Now the devil don't want you to do anything but die, but God wants you to live. Even Job himself refutes that fact that God is responding to Satan's tricks. Does he? Look at Job 1 and 12. Job 1 and 12. The scripture says, The Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. One translation said his soul. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. What was God establishing, Brother Anthony? What was God establishing? Brother Khan said it. Limits and boundaries. How many of you know that Satan has limits and boundaries in your life? How many of you know that no matter how bad it seems in your life right now, no matter how cloudy and rainy that it is, that the only way that the enemy can get to you is through God? There are not too many people in here convicted of that. But how many of you know God has a sovereign will and a permissive will? That permissive will allows us to be tempted. What did James say? Let no man say when he is tempted that he is tempted of God. For God tempts no man. Is that Bible? That's Bible. So 
So then, Sister Tammy, how are we tempted? The permissive will of God allows the enemy to tempt us. God won't do it. Amen? God won't do it. So understand what Job did. Satan has restricted power. Stand with me all over this building. Satan has restricted power. You say, preacher, I don't understand that. Well, he has restricted power because it's limited. It's limited. No harm can come to us that God himself does not permit. And you know who's known that from the beginning? Satan has known that from the beginning. Genesis 1 and 15, the Bible said, oh, you're going to bruise his heel. You're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise your head. That's a reference to Jesus Christ. Right? All the way back in the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. Satan's known that from the beginning. Listen, he knew, Brother Tyler, that if he could have caused just one prophecy to fail concerning Jesus Christ, just one, then God's plan would have totally fallen apart. But how many know he couldn't thwart one prophecy concerning Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God? Not one. So our God is unlimited in power, unrivaled in majesty, and he is not thwarted outside of anything other than himself. You need to know in this building today, he's in the complete control of all circumstances in your life, causing and allowing them to be fulfilled as he himself has ordained them. Is there one lost person under my voice today? one person. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all over this auditorium. If there's one person under my voice today who is lost without Jesus, sit in your heart. It's cloudy, it's raining. Donnie Nash said, I can see all those obstacles in my way. But Johnny said, gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. How many believe the sun's going to shine again? He said, I can make it because the pain is gone. All the bad feelings have disappeared. Listen to what Johnny said. There is the rainbow that I've been searching for. It's going to be a bright, sunshiny day. At times we call on God to calm the storm that are raging in our life. But how many remember the focus of this year's praise fit? Psalm 46 and 10 that said, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. So if you're here today, let me plead with you to look to God for help. Acknowledge who God is. Surrender to His plan. And in the end, place complete in him. Many of you in yourself would say right now, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. If you've never experienced it, you can't relate to what I'm going through. Listen, there are a number of things that I can't relate to because personally I haven't experienced them. All that I have is the account that the scriptures record. Some of you might say in yourself, how can the Bible state that Jesus was tempted in all ways such as we? 
but he remained without sin. Jesus was never tempted to do this. Jesus was never tempted to do that. You know what? There's only three ways a person can be tempted. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the very pride of life. Every temptation that you will face will come from either of those. Every one of them. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. A dear sister has asked me in this church today to anoint a prayer cloth for her family members. How many of you know the president has released a number of troops? We want to anoint this cloth and pray for that need. Is there another? Is there another in the very presence of God today? We want to anoint you. We want to pray for you. We want to follow the prophecy of God's word. Amen? How many know that he is God? I need to see the hand. Come on, I need to see the hand. How many know he is God? I need to bless you and say, never changes. Not only does he never change, he's incapable of change. Amen? What he's done for others, he can do for you. Amen? We want to pray for this cloth. This is for your wife's family member, correct? Would you extend your hands to the altar of God as we pray right now? Lord of heaven, we approach your...